Welcome everyone again. This is the 11th episode of the Weber 2.0 podcast. It's a special edition of European Talks, the podcast focusing on the EU integration in the Western Balkans. And once again, I am uh, Milos Dindic from the European Policy Center and the Weber Project. Now, on this occasion, we have a pleasure to host Professor Calypso Nikolaidis. Uh, Professor Calypso is a chair of global affairs at the School of International Governance of the European University Institute in Florence, but she has also worked at the University of Oxford, St. Anthony's College, Harvard University, Kennedy School of Government, and she has also worked with numerous EU institutions. A couple of words more about our today's guest, uh, Professor Nikolaidis' research interests revolve around a great deal of topics, actually, including internal and external aspects of EU, in EU integration, democratic theory, transnational legal empathy, social solidarity, global governance, and many, many more. And uh, one more piece of information is that Professor Nikolaidis has published widely on these topics, and for anyone interested, um, you can visit her uh, website. So, Professor Nikolaidis, uh, after this uh, short introduction, welcome to the Weber Podcast. It's uh, it's a very pleasure to to have you to have you on board. My pleasure, Milos, to be with you. What a great, great project the Weber Project is. Thank you very much. And it's been uh, some time since we uh, uh, collaborated on the Weber since the Citizens First Conference, that uh, the last one that we had, where we spoke about citizen consultation. So, and this is also a topic that we wanted to explore a bit more on this uh, on this web, uh, web um, uh, podcast uh, episode. Now, during Weber, we have been increasingly moving towards uh, including the citizen consultations in one way or another. As the as the pillar of uh, our interventions and giving your expertise in the topic and especially having in mind that you have uh, kickstarted with your uh, uh, with your colleagues at the um, School for uh, Transnational Governance one big project on the topic, I just wanted to start maybe uh, by asking you for the beginning. Can you briefly tell us what you what has come to mind when you uh, say citizen consultation nowadays, in today's world and in today's uh, context, and especially what are the needs and challenges you know, around this uh, concept of citizen consultation? Well, Milos, and hi, everyone. I, what comes to mind, I guess, is could be summarized as great, but not enough. Great, because obviously, I mean, as Weber has demonstrated, and all of those who've been trying to extend the opening up of the state to citizens, it's a very good thing to consult citizens about how they are governed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's very um, it makes sense um, first of all because we live in democracies and citizens should uh, be um, should have access to power one way or another because uh, their collective intelligence and individual intelligence will make the decisions of the administrations better and because it will be easier to implement if people are part of the story. But why uh, not enough? Because well, mm -hmm. it's it's the very word consultation. This consultation, Milos, makes you think democracy. Probably, and I'm asking our listeners, well, kind of very minimalist idea of democracy. And I am a radical mm -hmm. democrat, Milos. I believe that, you know, a bit like the ancients, that, you know, you, of course, people, the people cannot be governing all the time, but you, if you're governed some days, you also be, need to be governing other days, or you need mm -hmm. to see people like you that are governing. And that's why um, I advocate, not only as, as you have been spearheading through the Weber project, 
you know, generalizing citizens' consultation, but also make it more, much more radically meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what I guess we're here to talk about. Uh, very good. So uh, making it meaningful. I think this is the crucial point uh, that you mentioned in the end. Uh, so as a, a radical Democrat, as you would um, uh, describe yourself, so you have, uh, as I mentioned, started a project that is supposed to um, make deliberative democracy and participatory governance in the EU more meaningful by involving people, right? It's called the Democratic Odyssey. So does this mean, so can you just, you know, briefly tell us what are the expectations there? And, uh, and uh, does this mean that you think that uh, democracy in the EU nowadays is, uh, as you say, not enough? It's not sufficient and it's uh, inefficient, if you will. Well, we all share the diagnosis that there is so much public disaffection out there, whether it's in the EU or whether in the Western Balkans from where we are speaking now, uh, whether you're a member of the EU or not. And this is expressed through either not, people not voting at all or voting for fringe parties, um, and it is expressed sometimes through um, the appeal of extreme right populists. Mm -hmm. um, it's expressed for sometimes supports from for unsavvy authoritarian or semi-authoritarian governments, etc. Um, it's also expressed by a general, you know, disaffection not for not just for governance, but you know, and government, but for for the for the state. I mean, you you know, Weber is about public administration reform. So the, mm -hmm. the, the administration doesn't move from one government to another, not, not so much. Of course, there are political parties that take their share. Yeah. But it's, it's also expressed by more general disaffection about what the state does for us. Yes. Uh, and, and so we, we share this diagnosis. What is to be done? Well, the democratic odysseys are small contribution, uh, our share in trying to find solutions in general by reinventing really democracy. And I use the word broadly, democracy, you know, it's more than consultation. It mm -hmm. is about power. It's about people power. Now we are realists, you know, you know we, we know that there's a Weberian state, there's a state out there that has functions and uh, they mm -hmm. need to be delivered. So how do we do people power? But well, here are proposal like, like an odyssey, why it's called an odyssey, because it's a very long journey full of sirens and cyclopes and monsters and <laughs> difficult and tempests. Um, and so we try to evoke, um, to call upon a social imaginary, people's imagination about the fact that democracy is not an easy thing to mm -hmm. obtain if it's going to be real. In our democratic odyssey, we have a beacon like Ulysses had Ithaca, and that mm -hmm. beacon is what should happen one day in Europe, which is that there should be a standing assembly, a permanent citizen assembly or people's assembly that will uh, always exist. So we don't want to wait for you know, this government or that government or this commissioner to say, oh, let's do an, a panel of citizens to consult them. No, this assembly will be there standing with people, people rotating the members uh, would rotate every six or eight months. They would be new, renewal of the assembly or one third. You know, it's a system very well known in mm -hmm. deliberative assembly. Uh, and it would be transnational. So all of the member state citizens would be represented randomly and would have all some criteria to make sure that there's men and women, age, education, candidate country members, 
hopefully be, if it happened before enlargement, etc. So you have this assembly. Uh, it's permanent and it has real power. Um, I refrain from saying binding power in the same way as even domestically, uh, because it's complicated. The law is made also. There are parliaments and there are other um, in the mm -hmm. EU, the uh, Commission and the Council. And the Council is a co-legislator. So we're not talking binding, but we're talking meaningfully being mm -hmm. part of the lawmaking and decision-making process. We could talk much more about the beacon, but let me tell you just for a moment about the journey to get there. So what we do is, of course, we write papers and nice academic papers or reports about what this should look like. But instead of just stopping there, we are trying to show what it could be in reality. So we are mm -hmm. actually uh, organizing, as we speak, a pilot assembly that will meet in Athens in 24. In fact, it will meet upstream and hopefully after um, um, Athens because it's an, a, the whole project is a continuous meetings. But there will be a really big moment in Athens um, hopefully that will be popular and covered. And this assembly will be done in the state-of-the-art way in which deliberative assemblies are being done these days. So, you know, as opposed to mere consultation, upstream, it will be um, really, well, you talked about design thinking. So in, it, it will, we are ourselves going to do a random selection that, makes sense to people, is very visible that there will be a pedagogy of selection, uh, a, a YouTube channel where everyone can see how it happens. That's mm -hmm. up during. It will be, uh, you know, debates among all of these citizens, but also including other actors. And what really matters to us is we want it to be very public because you can't call this process democratic if it's just in some corridor of power or even in the European Parliament in Brussels or Strasbourg and nobody knows about it, that's not really democratic. That's just, a, that is good to have panels of consultations like this, but it doesn't really change the public mood. It doesn't make the EU or its states, you know, more appealing democratically to mm -hmm. its citizens. And if we are trying to show how we can change the public mood at our level, of course, then it's very important that it be very public. Maybe we bring in the theater and the arts and music, um, you know, make this a bit fun and exciting for citizens. And finally, thirdly, Milos, downstream, uh, we want to demonstrate that, you know, such a process that it will be, yes, bottom up, supported by civil society, but also top down. We very much hope to have the support of as many in the EU institutions as we can. And mm -hmm. so that whatever the citizens say, it will be taken into account. And if it's not taken in, there will be an obligation to give reasons by the powers that be. Now, we are only a, a project, but we're aggregating more and more uh, actors in it. And we hope to be able to put some pressure in September for the State of the Union and the next commission to take into account some of what we said, not just in September, but as, as we continue this process. So that's the Democratic Odyssey in a nutshell. Of course, we have a website that is constantly in construction. Mm -hmm. And we also have um, we, a commitment to making this whole process radically transparent and open. Uh, and if that, and that's why we have what we call a constituent network, like Assemblée Constituante or Réseau Constituant. 
it's a bit of a revolutionary term to say that it's not just the organizers, you know, the institutions in the consortium of organizers. It's really whoever wants to take part in our debates on every element of this story, just go to the website, click uh, join the Odyssey, and you can be part of these, this constituent mm. network. I very much hope that, um, I mean, I know you, Milos and Milena, are part of this story. So, you know, it's it's very, very inclusive and very relevant to the Western Balkans, which I hope we can um, talk about. Absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, just wanted to, uh, uh, especially I think the, 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 the point that is important here is not only about the... Uh, uh, consulting people, or uh, but it's also about uh, power. Who holds the power? So uh, let me just underline a couple of uh, one again small question about the democratic policy. The, underline the the keywords of permanent assembly, transnational. It's interconnected, traveling, right? Empowering. Then there is an upstream and downstream. So it really, really does uh, look huge and ambitious. Which is good. Without the ambition, you cannot have uh, results in the end. I believe. So. Uh, uh, where do you start? So but, uh, by asking this, I don't mean like, you know, Athens 2024, but where, what, what is the specific uh, constituency, if you will, or uh, or a unit, or is it a school? Is it a municipality? Is it a, on, where do you start? And why, maybe for our listeners who are not uh, informed yet about the um, whole the idea of citizen consultation nowadays, and why uh, citizen assemblies are regarded as, as the best way to do it, uh, maybe if, if you can just, you know, tell us a bit more on that. Um, you said it, Milos, um, you know, citizens' empowerment start everywhere, at school, in neighborhoods, in, in city councils, in their firms. Uh, you know, I have, ever since I was very, very young, adolescent, you know, uh, advocated decentralizing power and uh, power in everywhere where people are. If at school at the age of seven, you participate in a democratic debate on what color the, the walls of your schools should be repainted paint, in, that's brilliant. That is about teaching democracy and, and empowerment. Mm -hmm. um, now, when you say, where do you start? Well, you know, this is this deliberative wave and participatory wave has been happening for at least the last two decades around the world, not just in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, participatory budgeting started in, in more than 20 years ago in Porto Alegre. Mm -hmm. um, and then deliberative uh, wave started, well, I mean, there were others, but, you know, uh, people like to talk about, you know, the Canadian examples. And then there was Ireland more than 10 years ago, you know, with um, that was at the national level. So you, and that was, you know, a deliberation about gay marriage and about abortions, mm -hmm. topics that the politicians were so scared about, they couldn't, you know, decide. And so this, these assemblies, you know, make it made it happen and, and citizens decided. And then they were followed by a referendum. So there are many different variations on how you connect participatory mm -hmm deliberative democracy and direct democracy. Um, and of course, all around the world, there's been all sorts of experiments. So we're not starting from scratch, but where we are uh, in Europe now is that there has been some quite about 17 you know, deliberative uh, assemblies, um, you know, at city and national level, a few that are becoming permanent, like in Brussels and in Paris. Um, mm -hmm. You know, France has visibly had climate and end of life. 
all of them with, you know, very unequal results and quite often a, a certain frustration, citizens, you know, what difference do we make? So we're still in a very experimental state, but where we are super experimental is to do it transnationally in Europe, because of course the commission, mm -hmm. the, 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 the three institutions had a conference on the future of Europe, but nobody knew about it. And there, there was some citizens deliberation consultation. Uh, and, that, and then there was commission panels, very interesting, very important. So what we're trying to do is say, okay, this is quite a technocratic uh, um, um, key in the EU. And what we're trying to do with the democratic Odyssey is to say, let's change this technocratic um, uh, flavor into a democratic flavor, where really this is owned and appropriated by ordinary people, ordinary citizens, you know, from all over Europe. So it's very ambitious. You're absolutely right, Milos. But I hope we're a bit humble in, in saying that, well, we, we, we can't, you know, we're just trying to plant a seed. I mean, obviously, this is about creating a movement all over Europe. Uh, there is a movement. I shouldn't be saying we are creating it. We have uh, deliberate, de uh, you know, democracy R&D. We have a lot of uh, networks of people who facilitate or think about or critique or evaluate, you know, deliberative assemblies. And it's a matter of together, pulling together to make sure that this, you know, starts to really be contagious to the European institutions. It becomes an integral part of how the EU is governed. Now, that hasn't happened yet. There are some progress with these panels, but we need to help make it make all this more democratic. Very good. You mentioned uh, how the EU uh, is uh, governed, uh, another important uh, point for uh, discussion. I just want to go a bit more broader now uh, to reflect to uh, one of your uh, papers that you've uh, written recently. It's called Radicality of the Sunlight. So there are a couple of as you elaborate pa pathways to more uh, democratic Europe, and there is one um, especially ref uh, relevant to what we do uh, here in Member Project, but also for the West Balkans regarding the transparency and integrity of the institutions and uh, processes. So, how how does you know speaking about the democratic odyssey and the giving uh, power to people and more delib deliberation, more participation, but how these two things uh, interplay. So the, the need and the reality of more deliberation on one hand and, uh, and the need for the EU institutions, to so be that EU institutions in this regard or any other institution for more uh, transparency, transparency in work and more integrity in work. So how, do, how would you, uh, how would you uh, comment on that? Yeah, I mean, the two, I mean, thank you for uh, referring to this report that just came out, the radicality of sunlight. This was a high level group on, that I chaired on uh, bolstering European democracy. And in it, indeed, we do advocate for the kind of standing assembly that uh, we just discussed previously. But we also want, you know, thought about the fact that, well, we are now entering this phase of enlargement. And mm -hmm. indeed, um, it, the enlargement process doesn't always empower the civil society actors that are themselves in the countries of the Western Balkans advocate and, you know, are spend so much energy trying to make, you know, their country um, operate better and be more transparent. So in this uh, report, we called for um, a democratic dimension of the enlargement, which would be about monitoring uh, public administration 
um, through the EU enlargement process for much more broadly than is done today, really catching you know, the formal and informal state capture, I put that in quotes, you know, how mm -hmm. specific actors uh, often corrupt or political parties or, you know, kind of mafias, nepotistic kind of uh, uh, groups just capture the state, public pose, budgets, and special interests everywhere, really corruption. So how can we make uh, conditionality more meaningful, not because the EU would wave a big stick, but because we need to empower the actors who do that in the region. And that goes hand in hand with transparency, the mm -hmm. radicality of sunlight, as I like, as I like to say. Um, and that, and because that transparency allows not just the commission, but all the local actors to do this. And I think that if that can be paired with a movement of much more deliberative assemblies in the region uh, that take hold of, in fact, this data uh, and, you know, think through how can we appropriate our own state. That would be amazing. I, I have a wonderful student, uh, Teo Nanesovic, who did a, a thesis for us on, on the two citizen assemblies in Bosnia, both at the local and national level, one quite successful, the other less. Uh, because, well, of course, it's fascinating how these assemblies are can do both kind of a more democracy and power to the people mm -hmm. um, to using this transparency for themselves, but also can help in the resolution of ethnic conflict, if not the resolution progress, because people mm -hmm. across ethnic lines, you know, when they find themselves in these deliberative settings, they understand they're just, you know, exactly like each other, the same worries about whatever, recycling or food waste or um, and corruption in their government. You know, they they share the same concern of everyday life related to their government. So I hope that uh, we can encourage this. We also advocate in the Radicality of Sunlight project hold, that the presidencies of the EU would hold citizen assemblies in their country including citizens from candidate countries, which will then kind of create a bit, help create that culture, spread the culture that we're talking about. Yes, and I would definitely uh, agree with you. And this is something that we also, um, uh, this is also a message that we convey all the time. So essentially without transparency or uh, even radical transparency, uh, um, as you said, uh, you as a citizen, you're, actually powerless because you don't have uh, access to uh, tools and information that you need to uh, to uh, participate in the decision of uh, in the decisions that uh, affect your and everyone everybody else's life so in that sense this is uh, uh, as much as it as it can be true for the institutions it's true for uh, our institutions in the in the region um I'm afraid that we are uh, running out of time now. So, and uh, but I'm also sure that we can uh, continue conversation about these topics for uh, for hours. I would just love to uh, make sure before we close to say uh, for uh, to our listeners, for anyone interested to uh, uh, interested to get to know a little bit better about the democratic Odyssey, about uh, other work uh, of Professor uh, Nicolaidis, uh, the radicality of the sunlight report to uh, visit the links that are available in the description uh, of this uh, podcast. And uh, if you want to know more, uh, please uh, reach out. We are more than uh, available and willing to uh, 
to give uh, further information about the topics that we have uh, uh, that we have uh, discussed. So, Professor Calypso, I want to thank you very much for this uh, for being being our guest uh, today. Uh, we appreciate it, and we uh, um, very much uh, like to discuss uh, such topics that are uh, as ambitious and um, genuine as they are. We are also hopeful that will bring. Uh, um, uh, results and that we as uh, Weber team and our collaborators and partners here will uh, somehow in some parts of this whole process will contribute and uh, yep. Um, indeed, Milos, thank you. And I just would like to add in closing that um, I'm looking forward to being a, an active part of the Weber project and to make, you know, deep, radical, deliberative participatory democracy, an integral part of the next phase in the whole of the Western Balkans. Um, and this is something very important to me. In, in 2000, I created in Oxford University a program called Southeast European Studies at Oxford, CSOCs, directed mm -hmm. by Orson Anastasakis. And we have been working on enlargement ever since, enlargement to the, the failed promise of enlargement. And, you know, Milos, we, we are in a difficult time in the world today, but there is a bit of a ray of, of sunlight even um, in the sense that this prospect of enlargement that I have been committed to and fighting for all, you know, my academic life, including before when I was at Harvard, you know, it was it's always been a... Uh, you know, indeed a beacon of, of and a, a huge commitment for me and as for many others. And I think now, you know, the prospect of enlargement has been reborn, sadly, from a war in Ukraine, but I think um, it's there. And so, but it will not be a success unless and until we really put in it, you know, a very, very strong dose of of, of democracy, of rule of law, also written mm -hmm. on the rule of law. These are intrinsically connected. And I think we can do this together and very much organized in the region, deliberative assemblies that speak about these difficult topics. You know, so I'm really looking forward to, to this next step. And I, I'm, I'm confident that it will lead to an enlargement sooner rather than later. But don't hold me to it because <laughs> this is a very uncertain world. I think that these were the you know the perfect words for ending uh, this podcast. So uh, I couldn't do it better. So thank you very much. Uh, beautiful, and we are also definitely uh, looking forward to having you with us on a project. I, this is something that uh, uh, this is the, the the something we definitely should do and make our bonds even stronger. So uh, thank you once again, and uh, good luck with the rest of the work uh, in the rest of your work and uh, we will definitely uh, keep in touch in the next uh, in the next phases and um, of course in the end uh, thank you to our to all our listeners and uh, looking forward to uh, the next uh, discussion mm -hmm.